You're listening to Africa Rights Talk, a Center for Human Rights podcast series hosted by Dominic Meisters. Welcome to the conversation. In today's episode, we are talking to Rani Zuzo, who is the program coordinator for the Intersex Community of Zimbabwe, and we will be discussing the intersex community, human rights, and the general challenges that many people with intersex um, face. So, Ronnie, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you very much for having me. What I was thinking would be quite nice is if you could tell us a bit more about your story, help the listeners to understand what intersex issues are and where you are coming from. Thank you, Dominic, for such a wonderful opportunity. My name is Ronnie, Ronnie Kazuze, and I am a 40-year-old intersex individual coming from the Zimbabwe, and um, basically I grew up as a boy from the time that I was born. The doctors assigned me a male sex, so that led me to grow up as a boy up to the age of about 16. Therefore, when when I was about 16 years old, puberty started, you know, showing up, you know, the signs of puberty, whereby as a boy I started growing breasts and uh, my body now starting to develop as a female, you know, growing hips and all the other uh, female features. Just to take you back, when I was still a baby, you know, when I was born, obviously, I was born with uh, ambiguous genitalia. And what it means is that you are born with both sexual reproductive organs, of which the way they developed, doctors were not sure whether they should assign me a male or a female gender. Um, But after a lot of considerations that includes my parents and what they thought was best for me, uh, they decided to raise me as as a boy. And I also went through several reconstruction uh, surgeries to try to normalize me to become a proper boy. And I went through a lot of medical procedures. I don't know whether it's fortunate that I was still a baby at that time, but I I think at some point it tends to affect me in, in this life, you know. I managed to go through all these surgeries and up to the point that they thought that maybe it was best to leave it as as it was and let me grow up until maybe a certain age whereby they can now intervene again. Therefore, at the age of about 16, that's when I started showing signs of being a female. I was forced to relocate to a new town and stay with some family relatives and start a new life as a female person. Therefore, that was quite challenging because remember at 16, I already had a girlfriend (laughs) and everything that I have ever known was being a boy. I used to do all the boy stuff. I used to play with boys. I used to, <laughs> yeah, do all the things that guys do, you know. So all of a sudden now, 
no rehabilitation, nothing. You know, things have got to change just overnight. And I have to start putting on skirts, having to put on female uniforms, having to um, start school as, as a girl. That was quite challenging for me because sometimes I would forget that I am a girl and I would just behave like a boy and people would be like, okay, so what is going on? And then I would be forced to remind myself uh, that, oh, by the way, I have to behave like a girl. And it was, it was quite challenging. However, um, it brought a lot of confusion in my life. It brought a lot of um, psychological challenges as much as I managed, I managed to see through to sail through until <laughs> today. <laughs> but um, what the other thing that um, that that happened during the time that um, I was um, going to school was that my family kind of had a meeting, you know, whereby they decided that they need to carry on with the medical procedures. Therefore, I, I was taken to the hospitals and the whole ordeal of starting the medical, medical recourse of going for endless tests and preparing me for surgery and all the procedures that are required to, to normalize my body to become a normal female. I went through the surgeries, I can say two surgeries, of which after the surgeries I was given um, kind of like a dildo thing after the surgery uh, that I should use to, you know, because what basically what they were doing was that since my everything on my body was just spelling female except my genitals, which were like not typical, either typically male or typically female. So after performing the, the surgeries, they then gave me that dildo. It was a wooden dildo that I should be inserting in my vagina so that we keep the, the, the opening of the vagina <laughs> to keep it open. Um, I used it for a couple of weeks you know, in all cultures, I think if you are a minor, you have to listen to what your parents or your guardians tell you because you're just thinking that, okay, I, for me to be a, a good child, I just have to go with that. Therefore, I started using it. But it was a horrible experience because that dildo used to be sore on my genitals. It used to be... It, 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 it wasn't a good experience at all. That I cannot explain how painful it was, you know. Because remember, when you've got a cut, then even sometimes when you need to, to, to go relieve yourself, then the urine has got to pass through the wounds, and it was really horrible. So after a couple of weeks, I stopped using the dildo without telling anyone. Uh, because I knew that even if I had discussed it with my 
aunt, the, she, she's the one that I was t staying with at, the, at that moment. She was just going to go against uh, my decision to stop because all they just wanted, they didn't care what what was I going through or all they wanted to see uh, was for me to be normal, to be a normal girl. So it was all about, don't worry, we'll fix you, we'll get you to become a normal girl. You can even get married at the end of the day and have kids. The doctor, All the doctors are saying that, you know, this all goes to show that they were taking advice from the doctors. Therefore, when I stopped using the dildo, I then spoke to, to the doctor, to one of the doctors one day when, uh, during my review, and I explained to him after he had examined me, and then he was like, oh, wow, okay, this is closed. You know, there's no more way that we, you know, we, we operated on you, but it's, it is closed. Then I was frank with him to tell him that I've stopped using the dildo because of reasons that uh, I have already mentioned. Uh, therefore, the doctor then communicated with my aunt and um, told her that we have decided to stop the dildo procedure <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, because at the end of the day, um, even if I I, I could have continued using the dildo, but at some point I had to stop, you know. So he suggested that maybe it would be best if we, if she stops using it, then we carry on with the with the with the surgery again when she's about to get married, when she has found a boyfriend or a husband, <laughs> then it would make sense. However, my family were not very happy with that because they, they thought that maybe um, having the surgery at an early age at that time maybe I was around 17 uh, it was the best thing to do you know whilst there's this belief that uh, it's better off to do the surgery earlier in life because as you grow older your body tissue then you know you've got problems in healing and so forth and so forth whatever that they the reasons that they, they always say. However, I stopped using the, the dildo. Then I carried on my life. And um, until I finished O-Level, level which is sort of like metric. And after finishing metric, I then, I was lucky enough to get a job. So with what was expected of me, there was then pressure from family for me to bring a boyfriend, you know, so that they always encourage me, if you get someone, um, just come with them so that you can introduce them. We will be more than happy to meet him. I remember the other time I had a guy friend, so I, I brought him home and then I said, okay, this is my boyfriend. Then they took him, they cancelled him and all that and all that. I'm sure they were preparing him for what he was or whatever. Then they, they, they treated him like a special somebody. And um, yeah, of which for me, it, 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 it was something that I just didn't, I wasn't happy with. Because for me, uh, as much as yes, my body was female, but deep inside, I didn't feel like a female. 
I felt like the boy who grew up 16 years ago. <laughs> I, I remember on a funny aspect that uh, at school, sometimes I would be admiring girls. And, you know, there was no such thing of um, lesbians. I, I, I had never heard of it. I had never seen it anywhere. But then for me to imagine myself being the girl and then busy having some fantasies of being with other girls. You know, that idea was just weird on its own. Therefore, it, it then affected me in a way that I just didn't know how to deal with all those uh, changes and um, emotions that, we, that I was going through. So when I found myself a job, I then decided to leave home, which my family wasn't too happy with <laughs> the decision because they wanted me to stay at home where they could monitor me and see whatever that I was doing and so forth and so forth. But for me, I just thought that maybe it was a bit unfair because I was treated like a child, you know, practically a child. <laughs> so I just left home and I started doing my own thing. That's when I got introduced to a gays and lesbian organization in Zimbabwe. Um, I think I just went there a couple of times and I felt kind of like, okay, I think I, I belong somewhere there. <laughs> right, so I, I, I had a friend. I remember I had a friend um, who was gay. So we kind of like got along. Then we ended up like doing everything together. We would go out, go clubbing, drinking. That's when I started drinking alcohol. And um, for me, I felt oh, that, that, that sense of comfort. At least I could forget everything that I was going on. I could be happy. I could feel after having some drinks, then I would feel that you know, at least I can forget about the other things and concentrate on just making myself happy, dancing, drinking, and even sometimes when I go into the bathing rooms, I, I was not shy. I could look at the girls all I wanted. <laughs> so that kind of, that kind of feeling, that kind of it, it kind of excited me. But then not realizing that my drinking was actually starting to 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 get out of hand. I then ended up drinking a lot, and I, I, I sometimes I would get into trouble at work, and at, at times it led me to losing my job, and um, it, it brought a lot of challenges because I think alcohol was my coping mechanism, and um, being with that friend who made me feel that at least I'm accepted, you know, because other people used to, you know, you know how it is like in families. They just take you as you are the old one out. Even though they do not say it, but you, they, you know, you, you can tell and you can feel it. And you get singled out, you get isolated, because even as I was growing up, I was never allowed to undress in front of anyone. I was never allowed to play with a lot of, you know, I would play briefly and then they would call me back. And um, I didn't have it easy. So that kind of like acceptance in that community of uh, 
alcohol consuming family, it kind of made me feel like, okay, now I have got, I've got a new family that accepts me without worrying about what's in my pants. I never came out even to my friend to say, look, I am um, intersex because I didn't know at that time that my, uh, my sex was, uh, is actually intersex. So I, I just carried on and then I didn't even put in my mind the word lesbian. I just knew that, okay, I'm a girl who likes other girls. So that is where about it, it just ended until a certain time whereby, you know, the economic situation of Zimbabwe wasn't too great at that time for me to continue being in Zimbabwe. And that was the time again when the former president of Zimbabwe, <laughs> RG, <laughs> he started becoming more vocal in speaking against gay people, even though he wasn't directly mentioning lesbians, but he attacked all the different gay community people, you know. Then I happened to visit South Africa at some point, and when I got to South Africa, I kind of noticed something, you know, like my first time to be uh, at a pride event, I was kind of like excited, like I've met my my big family there, <laughs> um, who dress and express themselves and their love towards same-sex people, you know, freely without worrying about who would say what or being judged, you know. I kind of, like, felt a sense of uh, belonging. Therefore, I decided to, to settle in SA. Then I... I, I I, I was, yeah. <laughs> I stayed in South Africa. I got a job. My first official girlfriend was in South Africa. <laughs> mm. At that point, I, I, I identified myself as a lesbian because that was the closest thing that I... In fact, that was what I knew. You know, there was no other way of trying to identify myself as... Uh, but for me, I just thought, oh, okay, there, I am lesbian. Um, I lived for quite a number of years dating women until, you know, again, you feel that, you know, the discrimination just, does, just doesn't end there. You know, you know that you're different. And even in, in your relationships that you'll be having with other women, you can actually see, you can tell that you are different. And the way sometimes they, they, they will treat you differently because obviously you are different than them. Then that actually drove me to a point of realizing that I am actually different. And what I am, as much as I'm saying I, I'm lesbian, but I think I am more than lesbian. I don't know what to call it, but I'm just not lesbian. So that struggle for trying to find identity, it also drove me to a serious uh, case of drinking whereby I started abusing alcohol because sometimes I would get into a relationship and then maybe without a reason, the relationship would come to an end or some people would just want to experiment just to have that feel of 
how does it feel to be with someone who's like that? Because obviously people will talk behind your back as much as you might not know it. Um, they would tell each other, go try it, you know, go try. <laughs> yeah, so it, it kind of like um, affected me in a way such that, you know, those are some of the things that are actually even affecting me up to now in terms of relationships. However, during the time that I was drinking, I uh, attempted to commit suicide about twice because at some point I, 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 I was depressing, you know. I had no, no one to talk to, you know, to open up myself and talk to uh, about being intersex or being different. I didn't even know where to go to as much as there were organizations that we knew that they are there, but I, I, I was never exposed to any support systems, like maybe any psychological support. There were all other things like, say for example, parties, events, like pride marches and so forth and so forth, or even others. But I, I to be honest with you, maybe I just never looked for, 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 for such services, but they were, non, they were not readily available, you know. So I just took the easier way out of drinking. I kept on drinking, you know. The drinking was just getting worse and worse. It was until the other time, uh, because this thing uh, of trying to, to find myself, it led me to trying to, uh, to get to the bottom of what identity am I, you know. So I started making internet my friend and I started, I started Googling a lot and Googling, um, you know, like practically word by word to say if a person is like this, like that, what does it mean? Then I came to the 10 intersex. Then it, it also led me to Sally Gross, the late, um, I remember that I emailed Sally the other time. I was very emotionally uh, broken down at that point when I, I spoke to Sally. I, I felt bad afterwards because I kind of like lashed out at her and said, how come you always talk about an organization for intersex people, but we never see the organization. Where is it? Because from what I know, I'm here in Jobek, and you are saying that you are in Cape Town. How do I reach out, reach Cape Town? Because I was just trying to, you know, I was struggling. And, and I, I remember that she was very polite, and she tried to <laughs> make me understand that she's just a, a single person who's working in that organization and she has to, to, to do everything all by herself. Until she offered me uh, you know, that support to say, if you ever want to speak about anything, feel free to talk to me. So we kind of like had a, 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 a mild conversation. Uh, unfortunately, that was the time that she wasn't feeling, feeling too, too well prior to her to her passing. So it, it was a sad moment for me to, to, to learn of her passing. As, um, maybe after a little bit of time of uh, knowing that there is another intersex person, that was the first uh, inter intersex person that I ever en encountered with, you know, especially all, all online. 
because we never physically met. But she, even though she had promised that on one of her visits to Johannesburg, she would make sure that she, she would meet with me. The, therefore, I, I, at least I, I felt that, that comfort that, oh, okay. But on the other hand, again, I'm trying to understand that are there any black intersex people or maybe it's only a white thing? I just kind of like, I don't know, maybe I'm just the only alien black intersex. I don't know whatever I <laughs> wanted to. Yeah, but um, at the end of the day, it, it gave me that kind of like comfort to know that I'm not alone until I started researching more and more and more and more about intersex, you know, how in order for me to gain understanding and um, I eventually learned that uh, it is a condition that is not so uncommon as it is perceived to be. It's only that there is invisibility within the intersex community, uh, of which I, I, I totally understand, especially at this point now, why it is so. Therefore, I... I, I, I then came to a point after a long time, you know, you know, from all that journey uh, up to where I am right now. I, I am now a, a, a proud intersex person who is, I don't know if it applies to me, I'm out. You know, I don't hide my identity as an intersex person. I, 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 also, I have also become an activist of intersex people that advocates um, against LMA surgical interve interventions and pathologizing of intersex conditions in my own country. Uh, because as much as I stayed in South Africa for almost close to 15 years, I decided to go back home and fight for the recognition of intersex people and uh, advocating for the human rights, uh, human equal equality you know, for intersex people and the recognition of their human rights just as any other human rights. So this is practically where I stand today. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your story. And I hope that anyone else out there can find that they don't have to go through it alone in the same way that you did. There are a few things that you've raised that I would like to explore a bit more with you. One is the medical intervention that you were talking about and the doctor's role. And it seems quite early on that people intervened in your particular case. So what are the challenges around this? Because you were also saying that at one point that you don't have a say because you were a minor, but no one really seemed to consult you. Are there things people should be made aware of if they are going to be dealing with intersex um, issues? And what kind of supports are there for families? Because you are making a very big choice for someone, and we've heard how it affected your life. But generally, how can we be more aware to minimize the negative impact? Right. Um, when we talk of early medical interventions, we are actually talking about you know the surgeries that are performed with no consent of the child. You know whereby doctors and parents make a decision for the child to be... Maybe castrated is a very harsh and big word to use, but basically we 
we feel, you know, especially personally, I feel that maybe it's it's a it's a term that I can use because you basically like cutting up somebody without their consent just to remove tissue that these are very harmful, irreversible uh, surgical interventions, you know, whereby you just subject a baby, an, an innocent baby, to such um, horrible uh, medical surgeries. Um, and um, of which, you know, the consequences of these surgeries, whether wrong or right, uh, uh, they have to live with that for the rest of their lives, despite the fact that um, how this child would grow up um, and, and, and identify or maybe choose to, to, to live as whether they would choose to be male or female. Um, for me, those are just um, unnecessary, in my, in my opinion. Um, where I stand um, with um, the, such interventions, we feel that as the intersex community, that intersex children should be left to grow up, up to a stage whereby they can make decisions on their own regarding their body anatomy. Mm -hmm and uh, make their own choices. Because at one point, you might think that fixing or correcting or normalizing the, their bodies might be uh, the, the best thing for them. I understand that maybe parents will be trying to do it for the best of their babies. But from a, a medical perspective, I think it's a more or less to do with you know, trying to to be the doctor. They know it all, you know. No doctor wants to be, you know. Even if the, the surgery goes wrong, they never take responsibility, you know. They just... <laughs> so it, it, it's rather unfair. So where we stand as a community, we are saying that let intersex babies grow up to a, up to a certain age, especially at puberty. One would be in a position to be able to say, look, I choose to be male, female, or maybe non-binary, gender non-conforming, like myself. Um, it's, 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 it's up to uh, a person's, uh, an individual's choice to identify as they, I think, for me, it's actually giving somebody their human rights to, you know, the right to choose what's best for them. Um, that's where the human right factor comes uh, in play, whereby every person has got a right to to to, to choose. In, in cases where where we are seeing um, most parents making decisions for for their children, sometimes they are making these decisions without um, informed. Um, Consent, informed consent. <laughs> thank you, thank you for that. Um, they just panic. You know, they are in that panic mode. They are made to believe how bad it is, and maybe a threat to cancer. You know, obviously the parent wants what what's best for their child, uh, so they make that decision 
uh, with no informed consent. So at the end of the day, they just make the decision. And at the end of the day, it will impact on that child because there are a lot of other negative um, um, negative repercussions of, of such surgeries, which uh, are horrible as well, because one tends to lose sense of sexual pleasure or sterilization or, you know, permanent scaring, psychological issues, you know, whereby it, it's traumatic, you know. You have that hatred of hospitals and doctors. Right now, I don't even like hospitals at all, simply because of what I've been through. And, um, you know, the, the, the effects of, of, of such surgeries, they are just... From what you've been saying, the intersex community is advocating for leaving intervention, kind of almost as late as possible once the person can identify themselves. I also want to bring in something you've mentioned from your own life as the only thing at one point you understood or had the terminology for was, I'm a lesbian, but you still don't quite fit in. I want to explore how we have an issue of sexual orientation but intersex, this isn't really about sexual orientation. Could you explain a bit more so we get a better understanding of this distinction? Okay. Um, intersex, let me put it in a very simple way, whereby we can try to gain an understanding of what intersex is. Um, I think it would be best for me to use simple language whereby we can say, you know, typically we know that they are two sexes. And that's what we are made to believe, even at school, even in society, we know that they are male and female, boy, girl, you know, that's how it is. We, we've never heard of anything that is in between. And be it in our religious circles, there was Adam and Eve, and they, you know, uh, we've never heard that there was someone or something that was in between. Therefore, it doesn't necessarily mean that as much as there is male and female, there is nothing that is in between. So basically, a person who has sex characteristics and reproductive organs that are neither male and female, it's like a, a combination of both male and female sex characteristics that person is an intersex person. So it is just a term that is used to describe someone who has sex characteristics and sexual reproductive organs that are of both male and female. Sometimes it can be their chromosomes or hormonal makeup, and it can be their reproductive, like ovaries and testes, because it can be ov testes but still in, in one person, or sometimes it doesn't necessarily match, you know, what is inside and what is outside. Because sometimes you might find that it's very few female that we might think that a person is, or, my, or being male that somebody is, their, their genitals might be of a different form, but nobody gets to, to know because we don't always undress in front of people and, you know, 
show everybody that this is what we are. So you, you, you really cannot tell if somebody is intersex or not because there are more than like 40 variations of intersex condition. I don't want to call it condition, but it, it's, it's, it's just there are variations, more than 40 of them. So basically it's, it's just that we don't typically fit in either male or female. So we are just in between. That's what intersex is. So I, I don't know if I've answered in a... Yeah, no, I think you have. So going with this, because the world is so binary in that aspect, as in you are either female or you are male, and because we are not actually talking about a sexual orientation issue, how do you navigate the world if you are dealing with that kind of system? Because simple things like filling in a form... Is this something that the community is trying to address? Is it a lack of understanding? Or what do you kind of feel is your experience? Um, I remember that you also asked me to differentiate between sex orientation, gender identity, sex. Right. The difference here is uh, that, you know, when you identify, say, for example, as a lesbian or gay, we are actually talking about sexual orientation which is your attraction romantically, sexually, to a person of the same sex. Mm -hmm. that, that is attraction, affection, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's when we get to talk about sexual orientation, which is gay, lesbian, bisexual. When we speak of gender identity, now it's now all about your gender, how you feel. It is actually here in your head, how you feel, even maybe in your inside you, uh, I'm not sure because I'm not transgender myself, so I'm not really sure uh, how transgender people feel, but it's all about how you see yourself, how you view yourself. So that actually gives you uh, that identity, you know, that gender identity, that as much as my body is saying female, but I feel like, like male or vice versa. Being intersex, it has got totally nothing to do with that. The primary issue of being uh, intersex is biological sex. As much as, yes, we have been led to understand and know and believe that there are only two sexes, which is male and female, but we cannot rule out and dismiss reality, you know, the fact that intersex people are there, they exist. Because I think it's not uncommon to conflate the two in terms of sexual orientation and gender. So there is a lot of work that has to be done over the years on LGBT rights and greater awareness and knowledge and trying to provide for equality. How is the intersex community dealing with this? I mean, because LGBTIQ+, how do you fit into that space? Is it an appropriate space? Or are there additional spaces you are trying to carve out? There has been kind of like a debate or maybe mixed feelings because I think from my earlier statement when I differentiated the three categories, uh, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, and biological sex, I think now you've got an understanding of how different these three are. Therefore, we cannot rule out the possibility of intersex people especially if they're identifying with a certain gender. Say, for example, if I identify as a woman and my, if my at attraction is towards other women, 
The primary fact that we are dealing with here is that the identity now is that I am intersex. Just as much as you are saying I'm a woman, I'm a man, or I'm male, I'm female, we cannot rule out the fact that intersex people could also be gay or lesbian. So now it becomes a secondary factor. So that has been something that has been a, a debate. So we are actually saying that as intersex people, we've got our own issues that are totally different from gay, lesbian, and transgender people. Yes, of course, we've got a lot in common in, in terms of other challenges that we are facing in today's life and that we have ever had from, I don't know, whenever that we have ever had our own movements, of which we, 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 we kind of like meet somewhere, but not all intersex people identify as gay or lesbian or transgender. Some intersex people, they just identify as heterosexual people. So they don't want anything to do with uh, being gay or lesbian or anything LGBT. They don't want anything to do with that. They are comfortable as, as they are. They are just saying that we are human beings. I think finally, actually suppose a question for you. Is there anything or any particular myth that you think people should be aware of in terms of the intersex community or when engaging on intersex matters? There are myths, you know, for now. I, I think I, I can just speak of a few myths. Remember that every time when we speak about these issues, you know, a, a human mind is very <laughs> imaginative. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's very funny anyway because sometimes when you we we, we talk about intersex and we talk about uh, especially in my case of ambiguous genitalia because I always feel that it's it's better if I refer to myself. I can't speak of another person's condition as much as there are more than forty conditions that I can speak of, but I cannot really like be 100% sure. So one misconception is that intersex means a, per, a person with both sets of genitalia, sexual organs. Yes, of course, they do, especially if they are of ambiguous genitalia, but that doesn't really mean that you develop a fully developed penis and a fully de developed vagina whereby one person is <laughs> is capable of maybe having sexual intercourse with themselves. That is impossible in human beings. <laughs> it, it doesn't happen like that. What happens is that during the time of uh, sexual de development, when the child is still probably in the womb, simply because of the chemical imbalances, those sexual organs, they do not fully develop they do develop partially, just like, uh, you know, the splitting of twins. Sometimes you'd find that twins were, were trying to split and then at the end of the day, it doesn't fully develop. But that doesn't mean that it's a medical condition. Being intersex is not a medical condition. It's not an abnormality. It's not a disability as we are made to believe, you know, hence the pathologizing of intersex babies, you know, in intersex conditions. That is a myth that I would like to debunk and actually say that it's not true. There are other intersex people such that even when you look at them, you won't even know that they are intersex. Even themselves, they don't know that they are intersex because who has ever test tested their chromosomes? 
no one has ever tested their, their sex chromosomes. Sometimes you might see a person who is fully female, but you test them, they've got chromosomes of a, of a male. So that's, that's one myth that I would be debunking. And also the current statistics that we have from researchers, I don't know wherever they did that research, which actually state that one in every 2,000 infants, which brings us to 1.7% to about 2% of the global population, they are intersex people, or maybe one in 2,000 infants are born with intersex conditions. Those uh, statistics are wrong and they are misleading. I don't know where they did that research because I, I think, to be honest, they never counted me. They never counted any other intersex people who are in the rural areas, especially here in Africa. You know, we've got a lot of intersex conditions because there are a lot of other reasons that causes somebody to be intersex at the end of the day, of which I could go more into that, but let, let me not get there, because otherwise we'll end up having a very long, long, long conversation. But the thing is, like, those statistics are actually wrong, because on another research here in South Africa, it shows that about one in every 100 to 200 human beings, they've got some traits of intersex. It doesn't neatly fit into typical male and typical female. So it's not as rare as it is perceived to be. Maybe to state maybe two more. The other myth is that maybe when a child is born intersex, then it should be a med medical emergency. They should be fixed. They, something should be done so that they can fit into society. You know, it doesn't pose any threat to their lives. It doesn't harm anyone to leave the child to grow up, even if you want to raise them as boys or as girls, then they will make their choice. Especially in this era whereby we have seen a lot of people coming out as transgender people, you know, that person can easily just transgender, you know, and choose whatever gender they, they want. So there's no harm, there's no danger into, to life when a, a child is left to grow up. That is an important thing, I think. The lack of a danger to life. There is no actual medical emergency. You see now, right. And also, people think that intersex is about homosexuality. I think we went into that previously. It's, it's not. It is a secondary issue in some intersex people that a person chooses to... I don't know whether you choose or you don't choose. I don't know if you make that choice. But especially for a person like me, who is not uh, uh, conforming to any gender. <laughs> I don't know whether I can say I'm lesbian or what. I'm, I'm just human being. I just date women. I, found, I find them sexually attractive, physically, emotionally. I am attracted to them, you know. So I, 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 I don't believe that I'm homosexual. If I am, I don't know. I don't know. It goes back again to the person's self-identification not being forced to go, you are intersex, therefore it is a sexual orientation that you also have to address. You understand? I'm, I, just, I just believe that I'm different. I'm, I'm unique. I'm my own self. I'm limited edition, if you want. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. And um, maybe the last one. People also believe that intersex people are from the transgender movement. 
you know, I think that is a very important aspect to try and debunk. Not every intersex person chooses to transgender. Some intersex people are okay like that. Even myself, if it was up to me, I would just carry on with my life with nothing untouched. I don't want a transgender. Part of my life, I grew up as a boy. Part of my life, I grew up as a, as a woman. I find the combination of the two very interesting and <laughs> whereby I have experienced life as both, of which it's, it's, it's an added advantage, you know, to me, whereby <laughs> I, I know how to be a man, I, I, maybe a boy, to say. I know how it is to be a boy, and I know how it is to be a, a girl. So for me, I don't see any problem with that. So therefore, I'm not transgender. I, and I wouldn't want to transgender for any reason at all. I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm good like that. So I think let's just leave it there. <laughs> well, Ron Ronnie, thank you very much. It's been very insightful and hopefully helpful to anyone who's listening, who is also dealing with these issues. And I think for me, it has been very useful showing the distinction and showing how there is space within the LGBTIQ plus community, but there are differences that have to be taken into account. So thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Dominique. This has been Africa Rights Talk with me, Dominique Maestras, in conversation with Ronnie Zuzo. Join us in our other episodes as we continue to explore further human rights issues.